0: Welcome to the 21st Century Schizoid Podcast. I'm your schizoid host, as always, Cooper Cherry. Today we have Avery Suttoth joining us. Um, Avery is being an awesome pal and helping me out because my guest for today flaked on me at the last minute. So we are going to have a little, a little comics talk this week. We are probably going to start off with our shared love of the X-Men. So Avery, I'll let you run with this thing, man. What... What about the X Men really gripped you?
1: Um, thank you for from the start. Me. So, uh, <laughs> I think what uh, well, first X Men one, what was that ninety five? I'm in school. That comes out. Everyone in my class has it. Um, I'm totally curious about it. I haven't read a lot of comics in life, um, and that one was just. I mean, it's still the all time greatest selling comic of all time. I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a particularly good story or what uh what was so gripping about it, but um I kept with it. I kept feeling some sort of kinship with these, these characters who were not necessarily superheroes in the traditional sense, but uh um it was sort of them against the world trying to um trying to shine uh, a light on their own oppression more than uh more than take down um you know hydra or whatever it was right or
0: individual criminal purse snatchers or something like
1: right not your street level heroes and i mean x-men uh number one uh is clearly like this you have a super villain you have a central super villain and it's not till you know diving into the comics that you sort of get into uh the x-men lore of um why magneto is so important why um what uh who our real enemies are within it, uh, being you know uh, that sort of um, current of bigotry that runs throughout uh, throughout the series, um, and that's where that's where I picked up.
0: So. Right, on. I I'm gonna ask a clarifying question here because you said X Men number one. So wait, are you are you talking about like in the early nine? I think it's like ninety one. Whenever they redid. The teams, Because before that, it was like you had the uncanny X-Men, which was sort of like the, you know, kind of a loose, I guess. It was like like Rogue and Storm and Wolverine. I think those were kind of like the big main characters, you know, along with maybe like Colossus and a few others, kind of in like the late 80s or yeah. so. That was like the uncanny X-Men. That was uncanny X-Men. And then the original team of Scott Beast, Bobby warren that they they were x factor
1: yep yep Jean was revived from her uh her cocoon um <laughs> for uh, x factor when uh originally having wanting her to to stay dead i mean who stays dead in comics anymore it's kind of i mean at this point people dying in comics is the least dramatic thing that can happen <laughs> right <laughs> yeah no
0: kidding so she died after what like the dark phoenix
1: she went through dark phoenix saga in the the 80s was out of the series for a long time. The X Factor comes back in the later 80s, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's the original team. Then um, folding everything back into each other with the uh, X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. I think 90... I, I want to say 95. Well, not,
0: dude, 95 was more like... That was like Age of Apocalypse. I okay. think Age of Apocalypse was 95. So 91. Was really like I, mean,
1: nine. I mean, I mean... Between the launch of X-Men 1 and Age of Apocalypse, there might only be, like, 20 issues, I think. Um, so it's, you know, somewhere in that, between, like, 92, 91,
0: 93, I don't know. Because I actually have, I have the X-Men number, I have, because I think they were selling at the time a whole set that I got at, I think, at Walmart. And it had, like, the, the fold-out cover.
1: Yeah, Magneto, you
0: know, exactly yeah the, well i'll break it out a little bit later we'll i'll we'll nerd out on my collection yeah so it came with that and then it came with i think four other variant or not variant covers as they are today but variations on the cover that all kind of you can kind of line up line them all up to make a larger picture i think it's the yeah. similar to like the fold out
1: yeah i think it, at the end of it all it's it's a you know you see the team rushing something then yeah uh, then you fold it out and it's you know magneto's got the magnetic field around him yeah exactly yeah yeah. that's the one i've got yeah it's um i mean it's it's totally it was such a marketing marvel just knew what they were doing with that one and I, i don't know how they knew because i feel like they had been in such hard financial times for for so long and then revived it all with these these mutant characters you know and there's at this point it's like the nineties, so you've gone through New Mutants, Uncanny X-Men, X Factor. Um I don't know if uh what else was that? I mean there's just so many mutants at this point, it's their entire their entire uh revenue stream is coming from X-Men Comics and they launched this one and and it, you know, sells huge and turns a whole new generation onto people, along with the Fox animated series. I think bringing in yeah, absolutely uh, agree. people into the fold, which that was huge for me probably yeah, more same. than I was reading it. Right. Yeah. Watching it. <laughs> to be honest. But, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was a great show. It's still, I mean, I think it holds up pretty well. That yeah. opening theme song. Yeah. So <laughs> badass. <laughs> still, still in your, uh, there's a Japanese opening. That's, I mean, it's totally different music. Um, but the, the animation's amazing. Um, you kind of get the feeling that whoever animated it didn't actually read the comics at all. Like they have no, no real basis for what's happening, but, uh, there it's, it's great. It's sort of an anime style. And then the, the actual content is the same as the American series, just dubbed.
0: Nice. Uh, man, I was going to say something else. About <laughs> oh, yeah. for, oh, no, I was going to talk about kind of what got me into X-Men. And for me, it's, it's Wolverine, uh, as cliche as it is, yeah, you know. But God damn it, I'm I'm a child of the '80s, and I think like right around '89, '90, '91, like just off and on, I would, you know, my dad would stop at like there's a Seven Eleven, 11 and in a neighboring town, and I would go in there and I would like pick up a an X Men book oh, every yeah, right. every like once in a while, you know. So I'd like
1: they had the revolving rack, yeah, exactly, still in, in convenience stores, which is great yeah yeah that's <laughs>
0: totally dating myself with that reference right. but that's that's definitely i still actually i have my very first ever comic book that is an issue of uncanny x men it's like a mastermind or master mold some weird right. shit with master mold and it's the team with like like that kind of what i said uh, so it's it's logan it's storm it's rogue i forget maybe Colossus. I don't know if he's in the story though. We'll mm-hmm. have to break that out and take a look at it.
1: Yeah, yeah, is Kitty in there or?
0: Eh, I think she she's on like you know how they would have the little upper corner like the little Marvel logo right, and they right. would I think she was like in that logo but I don't know if she was actually in that particular book.
1: Yeah, that was always um I mean, I'm guessing that's like Claremont era. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Which was I think also what made the X-Men so hugely successful is that they had a writer for years and years who was so, uh, you know, his mythology was so on point because he, you know, they weren't switching writers every yeah. every six months or something.
0: Some continuity. And, you know, where you mentioned the animated series, they actually came out, I don't know if you're familiar, but they came out with that, like X-Men 92. And I think there's maybe been oh. another series that were kind of more, it was like based on the team from the animated series.
1: Oh, there was a comic series. Yeah. Yeah. There Uh, was an X-Men. I think
0: there, there's definitely one X-Men 92. I think there might be a newer one that's been, that's come out since in the last maybe three or four years, but the name escapes me or maybe I could, I could be X-Men 92, but I feel like later on in the mid nineties, maybe they came out with one. I think that's when X-Men 92 came out.
1: Huh? Yeah, I, I wasn't, I mean, Fox and Marvel did a lot of tie-in comics. I didn't know there was, like, an ongoing series. So yeah. I, I vaguely remember something that, like, uh, the drawing style was really similar to the animated series and and that sort of thing. Um, this is the 90s, of course, so, like, everyone has, like, these insane barrel chests and, like, <laughs> uh, gigantic boobs. And it's like, huh, okay. So <laughs> like, it's like
0: Jim Lee. I think Jim Lee was the artist.
1: He's uh, – I –
0: right he, he might yeah he might have been with the whenever they that x-men number one that we've he been definitely talking about. drew
1: that and um and i think that was just such a that style just permeated like everything at the of that era and, and the animated series too they toned down some of the like more <laughs> right. sexual costumes uh, for <laughs> sure um but i mean all these humans had these like impossible proportions uh, <laughs> that were like Kind of distracting. It was like, okay, so. yeah.
0: All the women were had Barbie dimensions, essentially.
1: Right, and all the men had like pinheads and like chests <laughs> the size of semi trucks. Uh, especially when you see a character like Cyclops with it, who's like is Slim. It's like, okay, well, I guess Scott grew Slim Jack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, and, and I can't speak to the '90s storytelling of X Men as being you know the the series having really good story arcs um I'm, i don't think going back and reading the books from that era they hold up as much for me I, I guess especially coming into uh and picking up new x-men where it was like oh shit this is what this is what this uh book can be yeah so having a you know a nostalgic love of it um, and then coming into like that that early two thousands, um, and it, there's you want know, to talk about uh, there's plenty of stuff that I think is totally problematic about it. There's uh, a really weak ending. There's
0: don't spoil it for me. You saw uh, that that's on my shelf. That's uh, on my okay. list of things to yeah, check out.
1: We won't talk about that.
0: Um, I'm really interested to see because I've never read any of Grant Morrison's. Really, I think. Of the more his more iconic work for or not his iconic iconic work but work on more iconic characters sure like his I've never I've never read his Batman run
1: right yeah or no, anything like
0: that I've just read Invisibles a little bit of Doom Patrol and I feel like there's something else that I'm leaving out
1: yeah um I ne-
0: the filth
1: I've never read filth um yeah he's got I mean he's got a insane career um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that series is good. We won't spoil any endings for you. <laughs> I can talk about, um, for me, there was like a, an underlying uh, misogyny to the series. We've got Gene uh, and Emma on the same team for the first time. I love Emma as a as an anti-hero, um, and I understand her and Gene's sort of uh, relationship to each other. I think it's they explored in a really interesting way up until the point where it breaks down to it being all about Scott where it's like, here are these two people, uh, Jean's got these godlike powers. Gene um, Emma, I mean, that's another thing that the X-Men always does is every time they focus on a character, that character then becomes the most powerful telepath or whatever. It's a problem in the series, whatever. These two, um, super powerful, super interesting, super complicated, um, People with this long history with each other, it all comes down to like their their battle over this man, and it's like him, like that <laughs> boring guy? ass,
0: boring ass Scott Summers. What is he, I'll hate on him, dude, with a little bit.
1: <laughs> pressurized, like, <laughs> like red, pressurized. That's not. He's like nothing's going on there. Um So there, there's this great story arc. They're talking about the X Men as. um Le- even less as superheroes and more as operating the school um, and operating the school as a um, as a sanctuary. You know, you need F- Phantom X who uh, comes in and they, they, you know, actually open it as a mutant sanctuary um, with its own Road uh, of Sovereign uh, laws. And um, you see Professor X come out for the first time. Um, so the allegory, it just really gets driven home. Um, and then you've got Gene re meeting the Phoenix. Um and then you've got the sort of petty real housewives of you know Westchester County. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> a great way to put it. <laughs> so
0: you, we should start that book.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: M- <laughs> the Mutant Wives of Westchester. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> the Mutant Housewives.
1: The Mutant Housewives of Grey Malkin Lane. <laughs> 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 All that sound. Um, but it's a great series. Um, the artwork uh, at times is brilliant and other times super distracting. Um, it's sort of the reintroduction of mutants who aren't supermodels, which is how the series operates best. Um, all of a sudden you've got people with less less powerful powers, um, fucked up faces, uh, fucked up bodies, actual mutants. What you what you would see as an oppressed group of um, of people, and also an oppressed group that doesn't necessarily have the ability to retaliate against you know when everyone's a super powerful telepath or controls all of magnets or the weather, it's kind of hard to think like oh yeah the, the they really got a challenge here with some guns or something you know it's like kind of hard to see them as uh, these like beautiful supermodels who also uh our our gods um being oppressed, but uh you see people with uh you know bird faces and um fucked up uh bile spit and stuff like that that are not not so pretty not so not necessarily so useful in combat
0: what is the what is wait there's like maggot
1: maggot uh that there's beak and there's Angel, whoever, who I was referencing, and I'm thinking like gen-
0: Generation X era. Like, I feel like there was one, at least one character inter- introduced with Gen Generation X, the first iteration. There was skin. Skin. Okay, that's yeah. who I was thinking of. Maybe and
1: like just you know, it's not. It's a super useless power. I think uh, on like CBR lists and stuff, he always ranks as like, why was this character around? I'm like, because not every character, not every mutation is gonna be a jackpot you know like it's it's a gross power um i think G- generation x told really great stories actually the most recent iteration of generation x told um i i think more interesting stories they they were very uh kind of domestic uh in a way it was uh you know dealing with the school dealing with um that sort of thing less of the uh you know the the sort of sweeping story arcs of marvel captain america stuff like uh civil war and secret wars and everything's a war and you know it's it's much more um it's not even like the street level of like spider-man sort of heroes it's the the sort of day-to-day interactions of being a mutant at a school um for mutants uh with some some interesting things happening so totally worth a read i think
0: nice yeah, uh, I, I kind of mentioned this. When we were ta- before the show. We were talking about sort of, I guess, the arcs that I kind of stand out that I definitely read because it, I was kind of off and on. You know, I didn't have direct access to a lot of comics because I kind of you know I grew up in a rural area, and even in my ho- in, in my direct hometown, like there weren't. I don't think you could even buy comics anywhere. So it was like a neighboring town that I'd have to pick up my my books. But to tie it in is, I think Phala- Phalanx Covenant. Was an X book crossover that I think you know was X Factor, X Caliber, um, Wolverine, Uncanny like X Men. X Men Phalanx
1: Covenant, or you're talking X? I'm talking about
0: so- Phalanx. Yeah.
1: I thought that was all contained within Uncanny.
0: No, no, it was okay. like it was across all the teams. Oh. Yeah.
1: Okay. That I mean that makes sense. It was and then they it, you know it was the the launch of generation x exactly so, yeah.
0: yeah and emma i you know mentioning emma she kind of became i think that was her for maybe when she became involved directly as sort of a good character or on the on the x men side more so i'm not as familiar with her her history i think she was probably more active as a villain before I started reading, I think. Yeah.
1: she. Phalanx uh, Covenant, I think, sees her coming out of um, a coma uh, that I think Jean put her in. I think that was where a lot of the tension between them happened. Um, but she had also lost all of her students um, to the Marauders, I believe. So, uh, actually, don't... Just <laughs> um, I'm going in a little bit blind here because uh, I, I forget some of these story arcs. Um, right. And I don't want to mislead anyone or, also, <laughs> or there's just some angry comic book nerd on the other end of it's like it wasn't the marauders that was something else so um i think that's what happened there and then um what she wakes up in bobby's body in in family's covenant right she pushes her consciousness
0: i don't think i don't think so
1: oh I they were pretty it
0: was, it was this that sort of um techno organic the phalanx was that right. weird c- cyborgy. I don't know. Yeah. That was after the Generation X, right after the mutants. The,
1: and we've got Blink come in as a as a character who you know died in the in that arc. Um, but I think with Emma in particular, I think maybe two issues prior to, to Phalanx coming and happening because they needed to bring her back to be headmistress. She wakes up out of her coma. She's in pushes her consciousness into Bobby's body pushes his powers past the limit he ever has, which is what establishes him as a Omega-level mutant. And then pretty much right after she wakes up, we launch into the techno-organic. Why were they targeting young mutants? I I totally forget that. (laughs) I
0: mean, it's... it's, I honestly don't even remember.
1: And maybe that's why 95 is sticking in my head is because maybe that's when Generation X um, launched. Because that that was one... I mean, I pick up an X-Men issue here and there. I watch the series regularly. Generation X was... I mean, like every issue I was picking up uh, as it came out. Um, it was a great series. And Phalanx Covenant, I remember, um, well, without actually remembering it. <laughs> um,
0: I'm pretty there. sure I have a Generation X number one.
1: Yeah. With yeah.
0: well, It's like a foil cover, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was like.
0: So I should have broke. A- I should have fucking brought these out before we yeah, started this podcast. That would have been a smart idea, out. right? That would be. Then we would have sat there like reading. Yeah. Oh yeah. Would we would be there like, oh, oh shit, we should probably do this yeah, podcast let's, let's now. let's Talk about
1: what I'll describe each panel to, to <laughs> <Right>? listeners. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a it was a great series. Um, and that Marvel marketing machine where it was like uh, issue number one, we got to release this cover, we got to release that cover, the variants, this, that, the other, um under the guise of it being like a collector's item that like someday it would be worth something and it's I think, I think we all sort of let's let's uh buy comics for for a great story let's um let's not uh plan on this being uh the bitcoin uh, <laughs> right. situation that that i think the 90s
0: wanted this equity got right. this equity dog <laughs> <laughs> do you still buy any do you buy any floppies ever these days
1: uh, I tend to wait for trades. For
0: yeah, sure. I'm yeah. the same. I did actually buy a couple. I bought a couple of Batman and Flash for the Button storyline. Oh, I didn't. That was, it's kind of like a Watchmen tie-in, which actually they're in right now. Is ah, oh, God, this is embarrassing. But I forgot the name of the current. Like, there's an right, like right now, there's a Watchmen arc where they're bringing them into the main DC universe.
1: Uh, I wonder wonder how uh, Alan Moore feels about that. Oh, <laughs> Actually, right. Yeah, Alan. He can't be. <laughs> he is not happy, I'm yeah. sure. Um, yeah, he would have none of it if, if he had any, you know, options on that, um, which is funny because Vertigo always feels like a sort of creator-owned line because it is, um, because there were these stories that didn't last from like 1950 to today with the same characters they had beginning, middle, then um, you had people telling the stories they wanted, but at the end of the day, DC owns all those characters, can do whatever the hell they want with them. So um, it's kind of an interesting thing to see. Uh, I, I did not know that DC had any intention of, of using those characters. Um, so what was that? That's something we were talking about that brought us to that. Um, kind of interesting. So, I'm thinking about that.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I just... We'll we'll come back to it. We're, oh, we're talking in. about
1: trades. Uh, and, uh, oh, yeah. Versus a uh, uh, single issues. Um, yeah, I don't. Um, it's 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 like four dollars for a comic book, and and they've got you know twenty pages of ads and twelve pages of story. Kind of, I I really think they need to rethink these uh, the way they do that. I and mean, maybe it's maybe more people are reading issues digitally. I had a, I had a um, like trial subscription to one of the digital things, and that's what, why I picked up the latest generation X's and stuff. Um, and it, you know, totally um, at first distracting, but uh, you know, to be reading comics on a, on like a screen instead of you know a paper book. But it it was you know it got me back into things that I hadn't thought about in a long time. So,
0: incidentally, Doomsday Clock is the name of the new Watchmen arc, and oh. the, the being brought into. The DC main storyline,
1: huh? I and I, I have always not stayed away from DC. Um, I think uh, people have this DC versus Marvel, Marvel having the like underdog characters and blah blah blah. But um, mostly, it's the the resets that DC does every like three years that I'm like, wait, who's who? What's like? I don't know what's happening in DC ever. Um, Though I love their animated universe, but. Um, so you recommend recommend Doomsday Clock, or you're I just reading it because of I haven't
0: I haven't checked it out. I there was a Button little mini series kind of crossover with Flash and Batman uh, a few months ago that was sort of like hitting on on that like basically the Button Duh. wound up somehow stuck into the wall of the Batcave, oh, and so that's how Batman gets on the case of like investigating this button with the flash
1: interesting so it's um huh <laughs> like I, I can't picture those characters in that world but right i'm super
0: curious i'm yeah i'm kind of curious too but i've read there's so they also did a before Watchmen mini series as well i think it's like six books mm. and it was it would be like two origin stories in one book and I bought the one. There's a night owl, a night owl, and Doctor Manhattan. Basic stories, and right. that just—it was terrible. It sucked. I, it sucked it sounds, so. It sucked so bad.
1: it's so I mean, the point of Watchmen was never their origins. It was never what they did as Watchmen. Really, like, kind of incidental to the story that was told, right? Like, who cares? Right. <laughs> like, in a way. Yeah. Um, so. That is, I don't know, interesting kind of a little baffling. Um, I wish would love to hear Alan more weigh <laughs> on that for sure. Um, no, I, I take that back. I totally already <laughs> know what he'd say, so it's kind of pointless. Um, yeah. Okay.
0: I've actually been thinking about you know maybe we need to create a giant mutant octopus to bring humanity to, to bind, <laughs> you know what i mean to bind us all together yeah as divided as the world and i guess the country is at this point you know yes. what i mean we need an existential
1: yeah we need some something <laughs> uh
0: be a brilliant plot man oh absolutely. world peace boom I
1: finally finally achieved i, <laughs> I kind of thought donald trump himself would be our mutant octopus <laughs> right that that turned out to be he's our senator uh, kelly dude he's, absolutely he's gonna wind
0: kelly. out wind up being a mutant
1: yeah oh for sure um yeah who's our mutant octopus <laughs> Where could we can we get on that um
0: we have the technology
1: we got, oh,
0: so We're, we've been mining bitcoins yeah. to pay for the techno you know what yeah. i mean to pay the technicians
1: bulgaria i think has like billions of dollars in bitcoin they need to get on this bulgarian uh bulgarian world peace mission i don't know
0: okay how about that that's another that's another comic book we can do
1: the bulgarian world peace yeah Coalition. The, bu-
0: <laughs> <laughs> the bulgarian uh crypto miners
1: absolutely <laughs> Um, are, the, are there any notable? I feel like uh, X Men is always, you know, just uh, they've they've uh, got that international cast. Do we have any Bulgarian mutants? We have got some Russians. We're ready for some more Eastern Europeans over here. let get on those. Create create me a good good character.
0: Yeah, I'm not even su- I'm not sure about that. I'd have we'll have to Google that later as well.
1: I mean, they tend to go for like the the bigger. Uh, you know russia that's a
0: you know, <laughs> that's you know, a that's a pretty big country it's got yeah. some name recognition <laughs> yeah, exactly. behind it that, may be like, that brand you know, know that brand is hot right now too yeah for sure
1: for <laughs> sure um maybe a little more than like albania has <laughs> behind <laughs> it like oh the albanian well please tell me about you know because they always and then their powers always sort of weirdly tie into where they're from <laughs> like like dust or something she's who's a pretty cool character but it's like oh she's made of sand and she's from the desert and so i love that sort of thing um,
0: yeah you buzzing over there bro i am <laughs> okay,
1: getting the snaps
0: what are some of your favorite do you have like a favorite issue or story arc or anything x-men related
1: um I really liked the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix um, where Gene and Scott um, wind up in the future running, uh, uh, raising Nate Gray. Um, Rachel Gray brings them there. I thought it was a great uh, family story. I thought it was a great uh, tie-in into, you know, X-Men has always been so focused on these potential futures that could happen if, if, um, if humanity doesn't get their, their shit together. And I thought, um, seeing that world, um I remember it being really striking. Um an Executioner song was really good, which also f- I feel like has some ties. Yeah, it definitely ties eye. in, yeah, for sure. So those were two really good um uh, really good stories. Um I tend to really like Jean's stories. Uh though her as a character is totally subject to who's writing her at any given time. I th- I know people find her really boring. I find her really compelling. Um a lot of the time so um whereas like i would love to see a gene story told without scott which i think is on the way so (laughs) because i'm pretty sure scott's dead at the moment you know that'll last a few weeks
0: (laughs) um i don't know he's been dead a while man he's been dead a while yeah but so was wolverine but i think he's just been resurrected yeah i
1: think wolverine's back as you know his original uh iteration gene's back
0: um it's pretty funny, too, because there's like... So, Old Man Logan is in the main X-Men continuity universe now. So, you have Laura, you right. have <laughs> you have Old Man Logan, and somehow... Dockin, two or something, I, I'm not sure where he's at at this point, but I'm pretty sure original Logan is back. Yeah. I'd be interested to see Old Man Logan meet... Uh,
1: Logan. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, at this point, I think there's two Wolverines on like Jean's team that's about to come out. So I think there's, I think X twenty three and Old Man Logan are on that. Yeah,
0: game. sounds <laughs> sounds about right.
1: Yeah. So you know, uh, what I will, I think X twenty three sounds like a pretty cool character. I haven't read a lot with her. Uh, I will say that I think the three claws just has a better yeah look
0: i I agree, I totally um, agree,
1: the two sort of doesn't make sense, and then there's someone with like one which sort of looks like
0: Baraka from yeah. Mortal Kombat two <laughs> <Totally>. Baraka Wheaton. <wins.
1: laughs> um yeah, I think go with that three also it's like why what this is how his mutation's gonna i don't know,
0: and they're not very keen on the genetic technology right. like. <laughs>
1: Right, like oh, that third one's a recessive gene. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> okay, exactly. <sure. laughs> but uh, no, I think um, I think I'd like to read more with that character. Um, at least at this point, like to me, like X twenty three is a new character. But I mean, what like two thousand four or something? That's she's yeah well established within the universe um, at this point. Uh, people that we in um new x men like the stepford cuckoos i think were introduced there now they're mains- they just appeared in um in uh, the gifted which is you know fox's um x men tie in um t v series which which i did watch and, and enjoyed uh but uh, these characters too to me are like new because i grew up in like the eighties and nineties right like, uh are are have the have the name recognition people know who they are people care about their backstories um you know they have established backstories because uh, i think at the at the point where I was reading new X men the Stuffer cuckoos had like you know you knew very little about them and in the same way that when rogue was first introduced, you didn't have a lot of insight into her past um and you know here full you know seventeen years later sixteen years later um we have these fully fleshed out characters with, uh, with different arcs and stories and it's, you know, for as much as uh, it would be nice to see a beginning, middle and end with some of these books. um, It's kind of cool to see uh, um, people take their own spin with these characters.
0: Yeah. And kind of reinvent them for the, for that particular moment in society or whatever's going on in culture and whatnot It's somewhat cool. I think. Yeah.
1: Um what I you know, I always think like it would be pretty interesting to um to do not the way DC does it necessarily, but I liked uh the idea of the Marvel Ultimate Universe where it's like, let's tell timely stories about these characters without, you know, making it uh, you know, like X-Men launching around civil rights movement. Um let's uh let's explore other allegories that are more, you know, um more current, uh, more contemporary. Um and I think ultimate universes allow them to do that. I I didn't read a lot of ultimate X-Men. I wasn't impressed with what I did read, but I think having um reinterpretations of those characters is not a terrible idea.
0: I've heard obviously not for the X-Men films, but for a lot of the uh, like the MCU has pulled a lot from the ultimate universe.
1: Yeah. Then they, that's the thing too, is like, they can never leave. They'll never pat like, uh, they'll never leave a penny on the ground. They're like, Oh, people like miles Morales. We better bring him over, over here. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it gets a little bit like tedious and (laughs) like, it's okay to have these self contained stories. It's okay to, um, to, to end a book. Um, you know, I, it's, a, it's a classic of storytelling, really, It's to have a beginning, middle, and end. So.
0: What about, did you ever get into Rick Remender's run, the Uncanny Uncanny X-Force?
1: No. no I don't even, what, what uh, years was that?
0: I don't remember the years, but the team is Phantom X, Wolverine, Deadpool... And I'm forgetting the other characters. Yeah,
1: and all the all the antiheroes. <laughs> throw them in one book. Um, I right. love Phantom X. Um, but there's
0: a really there's a really compelling Apocalypse arc okay. that you should check out. And I think we have we have an issue of that here at the house. I'll show that to you as yeah, well.
1: Please do, because um, I really love Phantom X. I, I love Apocalypse as a villain. Um, he. Uh, so I kind of wish the movies would. St- Stay away from Magneto a little bit. It's time to right, just get yeah. a break. Seriously. Um, and, and if they had, maybe we could have gotten an apocalypse movie where it didn't feel like he just like gave everyone a makeover. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> Queer eye for the straight yeah, guy style. So oh like, god. oh my god. <laughs> they all, like, when he's asking, like, bring me the most powerful mutants, and um, what is it like? Psylocke brings him like a broken. Here is the dude with broken wings. It was like. <laughs> huh. I mean, like, clearly you have to do Archangel, but the way they did it was like, you know, try again. Um, basically, that whole movie, try again. And for them to launch directly into, I think, and I think that, that this is a common criticism. I'm not adding anything really new to the conversation, but um, to go directly into an epic story like the Dark Phoenix Saga um, from such a flop of a movie uh, that, uh, you know, introduced so many of these new. Uh, not new, but, like, new interpretations of these characters um, is hard. I don't feel the emotional connection to to Jean Grey uh, that um, or, you know, any of these people because they were each in their own movie for, like, five minutes because it was such a jumbled mess of a plot line. So it's hard to feel anything about anyone. Oh, Jean's going to die. I mean, like, spoiler alert gene dies. <laughs> <laughs> gene dies all the time but it's hard to give a shit um so i hope uh i hope they have something up their sleeve to to make that work i feel like fox is finally getting a grip on what they were doing with the x men but the way they've done it is with shows like legion which have like
0: oh okay, legion is fucking awesome
1: it's it's fan- who who thought that that character could, could carry a series like i yeah oh legion okay like Whatever. Um, I I mean, he's an interesting character from the comics, but would would you have given him a movie? Oh, definitely not. No, no no way. Um, But it was fantastic. You know, um, I'm really excited about the new mutants being interpreted as like a horror trilogy. Um, I did not see Logan yet, but I've heard fantastic things. So I feel like Marvel, uh, or sorry, Fox is finally doing some. uh,
0: Ironically, to interrupt you. Yeah, you know that Disney just uh, yeah, they bought all yeah, those yeah. rights, so I, it'll be very interesting oh, really. to see how that all gets hashed out, totally. especially with you know that movie, I guess the Dark Phoenix, put whatever they're gonna go with. I you know I don't know what the status of that movie is. It may be in limbo at this point. I do know that I'm really excited for the next Deadpool. Deadpool two. Yeah, with Cable.
1: Deadpool one was surprisingly good um for character. i mean i don't dislike deadpool i'm not i think there's um people who just really hate that sort of thing or whatever their post that 90s uh, anti-hero whatever i think deadpool's a totally fine character but i wasn't expecting the movie to jump into leaps and i was like this is pretty charming um charming i don't know if that's (laughs) right right. (laughs) but i I was like thoroughly charmed by it um i really enjoyed it so
0: i'm just interested i'm I mean, it was pretty good. I liked it. I think Deadpool's popularity was kind of like really, he came into prominence like right after I got out of books. Right. So I think my, right at, right around Age of Apocalypse is where I left and stopped reading any comic books until two or three years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And I wasn't reading X-Force. I never read X-Force, actually.
0: So. Yeah, I never really, unless it was like a crossover. Yep. You know, an X ex- maybe I think Executioner Song X ex- yeah, Force they was involved. Did all the, and every
1: book. I mean, they love those We <laughs> so Push those books off the shelves. Like you gotta buy five this month because it's
0: that like, and Phalanx Covenant yeah. both.
1: Yeah. And then Age of Apocalypse, it was like Alright, I gotta read all of them to get through it. <laughs> like it's a little bit tedious at times.
0: I have the Omnibus here too. Oh yeah. That was like the first that's that was the first omnibus I ever purchased. It was also the first comic I I bought. At, at, like once I started getting back into them recently, mm-hmm. over um, the last few years.
1: I don't think I've ever read the entire Age of Apocalypse. Um, I honestly I sort of just let it do its thing because I didn't want to buy Generation X, Uncanny X Men, X Men, X Force, X Factor, X Men Twenty Ninety Nine. Um, what else was going on? like? like there were other x books that were tied into it and i was like i'm not i'm not buying every single thing so i know this will be done in like two months and then i can just go back to reading like generation x and, and uh uncanny or something whatever it was on that I was reading at the time so i'd be curious to go back now that that trades are you know, um, you know A thing, yeah yeah i'd love to go back and read it um but you know 15, 16-year-old me didn't have, uh, you know, $50 a month. Right, plus the (laughs)
0: internet, you know what I mean? There was no Amazon right? Right. that would deliver shit directly to your door within two or three days as well.
1: Right. I was super lucky to live in a town that had two great comic book stores on uh, two neighboring towns, like great comic book stores. Um, And I hate to see comic book stores close. Uh, They're...
0: That's why we need to get in there and buy the floppies, man, and support Absolutely. the industry, right? Well, I, go,
1: I, st- I still go for my trades. Uh, yeah, I to, do too. Um, to comic book stores, um, they're great, and they're always going to be more expensive than Amazon, but it's that same sort of thing. You can buy you can buy cheaper stuff at Walmart, or you can support local business, job generation. What? Okay, that's a whole different thing. I, I think it's totally worth it to spend a little bit more at a locally owned store than on Amazon for a variety of reasons.
0: You know, I mentioned, I'm going to, I'm going to brag here for a minute because I mentioned Rick Remender. Uh, so just the other day, Rick Remender liked a tweet of mine. Oh, sweet.
1: <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I love that. <laughs> I like my little brushes with, that. Right? To, at least to me who are celebrities. So yeah, that's all I was, funny. You know, um, the internet speaking of Rick remander and speaking of the way the internet has changed uh industries yeah the the sort of accessibility of um being noticed by someone not necessarily in your your sphere
0: do you uh do you follow rob is it Lee Field? Do you feel, follow rob
1: i i don't um
0: i follow him on instagram yeah,
1: yeah you've sent me a couple of <laughs> posts uh what i mean what a trip like uh I mean, I think his uh, what is he's like known as one of the worst artists of all time at this point. Uh, a lot of
0: people shit on that '90s art, but yeah, that's I mean, a special I place in a, my heart. I don't know. It's yeah. like, eh, it yeah. depends on the book, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it, it is terrible, but it is also to me what comic books look like, right? It, yeah, like, kind of the same vibe for me. Yeah, Um which was why uh, reading New X Men was so. um like off-putting at first because like they they don't look like that.
0: That you know. weird. Yeah, I I'm I have the trade. I'm looking at the art. I eh, it's not my favorite art. Some of it. Beast very sloppy. Beast and Wolverine in particular. Um, I don't like those looks. I don't like the short whatever. Like those. I don't even know what they call them. Like the the black things that come on like Wolverine's mask, his cowl. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. They're kind of shorter. I like the for some reason I like you the like more the full, uh, yeah, I like the full on the
1: more yeah. That was also part of their getting away from them as a as superheroes and more of them as a you yeah. Know, I think they did that uh, sort of strategically. They also did it right around the time of the X Men movies, where it was like the the leather outfit, so it had sort of a movie tie in to yeah. Um, and Beast had undergone like a, a second mutation, secondary mutation, which made him more a feline in appearance. I think um, which. They've kept to this day and I still prefer the way Beast uh looked. Um he also had sort of the the Yeah, they had that similar his, yeah, yeah. Um off of his face and just um you know, now he looks a little bit more like like a blue tiger or something, which, you know, it's fine. Um it's just not uh it's not how I remember. So it's a remember room, and and I'm 35, and I'm stuck my ways or whatever <laughs> right, it is. yeah, you know? exactly. Like, Same here, man. So, um, and that could be totally it, but also some of the artwork in it is some of it I think is great. Um, in New X Men, I think it's kind of interesting, um, to look at, and then sometimes it's genuinely kind of sloppy. Like there's, you know, someone decided not to draw a hand or really mess up the perspective i actually am not i think there were two artists that worked on that book and i don't I'm not actually familiar with either of their names or um you know what else they've they've worked on um but I was so engrossed in um in the story and you know it was a great book um just a really good uh i i thought Phantom X, Cassandra nova for Cuckoos. Those are uh, Quentin Choir, All of those things coming out of that book um, changed the shape of uh, of X Men stories being told. It's controversial. People, you know, people love or hate that series. I I'm very pro, except that that ending <sighs> just bombed it. So, which we can't talk about. <laughs> but get ready. You know what? Maybe you'll love it. So I think people. Felt a lot of different ways about it. I felt very, um, I felt, um, I mean, spoiler, but in the sense that you already know, it, um, I think killing Jean again was a shitty idea. Um, it was Marvel wanted to focus in on on um, Emma uh, and decided that uh, killing Jean was the best way to do that. Whereas now you can have like three Wolverines on one team, <laughs> right? You. You, you know, instead of killing, Gene and Emma's dynamic was always going to be more interesting than Scott and Gene's dynamic or Emma and Scott's dynamic to me. Put those two on a team together, you know, uh, I was going to, I think that would have been so much more compelling than just having Gene die in this completely, I mean, I can nerd out about the ways that she could have used her powers to not die. Um, but uh, they went with it. I thought it was a huge mistake. Um, and there's been so many right rec- Oh man, it's a mess. That whole read it. We can talk about what a mess it is. We can do a whole f- fucking podcast on what a mess that is. I'll
0: be interested because I am. I mean, I'm somewhat of a fan of Morrison stuff, mm. but it can get a little bit like it gets so surreal I don't know if he like gets as surreal with X-Men as he does with other there like are, the Invisibles and the Filth were super on that surreal bizarro sort of
1: There's some bizarro there's some surreal uh, I actually think it was Marvel's meddling that ruined the story um for me it was uh Marvel had an agenda for the the way they want the book to continue and I think they rushed the ending I think he had to go in and Um, retcon a bunch of stuff, but you know, he wrote it like at the end of the day. Um, you know, he interpreted what Marvel wanted of him in a way that I thought was kind of pointless. Um, kind of tarnished the reputation of the series for me for sure.
0: What about did you ever get into the uh, astonishing X Men, the Joss Whedon? Because that's another one, I think those two are kind of newer um, trades that. I think they're right around the same time, like within five years, two or three right years
1: after *New X-Men* ended. I think is where *Astonishing* picked up. It's a, uh, you know, it's it's Joss Whedon storytelling. Um, it's not my favorite arc. At the, I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I read. Uh, I was kind of excited about, it, and then I was like, he does a good kitty. Um, he doesn't necessarily do a great. Scott or Emma, um, and then at the end of the day I was very disappointed in in the actual outcome of, uh, of, um, just that the resolution of it all was like, okay, I guess it didn't, there was nothing really at stake, it felt like, at the end of the day. Um, you know, I actually think he's done better work on, um, on, like, the Buffy, uh, comic series than he did on Astonishing. And then uh, his the first Avengers movie I thought was fairly entertaining.
0: I did not read The Joss Whedon Run. We have it here somewhere, but I am i haven't read it yet. Um, I think that – I want to say you're right in that the Grant Morrison New X-Men came chronologically before it, so I wanted to read that first.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah, um, it was uh, – because at this point Emma's Emma and Scott are together – um gene's dead and they go from there Uh, not not everything about it's terrible but it's not i don't think it'll ever stand out as the the hype around Shaw Sweden doing x-men was not as uh the way it played out was not not the same um i would love for them to do do that same thing of, of having um just a great, talented writer come in and write it for years. I would love to see someone do a, like, you know, five five to eight-year run um, instead of, like, switching up the series every year. I mean, we're what it is, too, is that every writer wants to make their mark on the X-Men. They want to work with the villain they want to work with. They want to work with the team they want to work with. They want to, you know, write a a mutant into it. They want to create a character um, and you just see it come in and it's like okay like calm down <laughs> like can we get to know you know a, a year it's 12 issues it's not it's not a long time to um to actually like build a, a story um so having yeah because you're
0: like, like what twenty twenty-five 25 pages maybe probably not even that these days right tradition. like it, it
1: feels like you have these really quick arcs um where you could do some i mean Harkening back to the nineties where we're talking about um Executioner's Song, uh Phalanx Covenant, uh Age of Apocalypse, um and Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, I think they all have these ties with each other. Uh
0: maybe Phalanx Covenant, yeah, they, less with Yeah, with less like, with the whole mythology with the with the summer's, the summer's genes, they're, yeah. They're magical yeah, magical they're, jizz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Potent concussive blasts. <laughs> um, yeah, all that. So uh, you're seeing those stories build over time, um, which gives it more gravity than, you know, Joss Whedon coming in and it's like, I'm going to create this character. I want to do this. I wanna, you know, everyone has their mark that they want to make. And I'd love to just see them um, reinvigorate the characters that they have um, and stop retconning everything. Like, I don't know if you. Uh, if you read, uh, what was it, Deadly Genesis? Are you familiar with this? It's uh, the third Summers brother comes in. It turns out that Professor X was, you know, did all these uh, sort of morally dubious uh things to protect his his team, and and thus um, there was a whole second before uh, giant size X Men where you know you get Wolverine and Costas and all those people there had been a team before that that we didn't even know existed. Um, And Professor X had had kept it all hidden. Um, And I hated it. (laughs) I absolutely was like, okay, like, is it that interesting to have him be this, uh, it doesn't make him more complicated. It just makes him kind of an asshole at the end of the day. I don't feel like I, I gained insight into Professor Xavier as a character. I don't feel like I, um, Learned about his motivations, um, that or felt that he came off as a more complex uh, person. I, I he came off as um, it, it made ever it invalidated pretty much everything that came before it um, in in the story and him as a character. Um, and it didn't tell a particularly interesting story. It was some it was some writer who wanted who had some idea for a third Summers brother and wanted to make their mark on this book that's been around since, like, what, 64 or something, and it was, like, pass, like, hard pass. So.
0: I never got into that or read that, but I've definitely, you know, going back and reading through some Reddit threads and whatnot just on, like, X-Men and trying to figure out, you know, what what trades, what arcs should I go back and check out? I think I came across some, some of that, and people were commenting on, you know, those developments with professor x that you referenced as well yeah you know what i was i want to talk about a little bit totally stealing your thunder here Mm -hmm. is like um i was just thinking about the the art in the sort of 80s Mm -hmm. especially i guess the mid to late 80s like the i think it's so badass it's kind of like it's very punk yeah it's very kind of like almost like cyberpunky kind of vibe to it. You see it a lot that I really dig and they kind of went for that look, especially the storm look for the storm apocalypse storm. movie, yeah. which I totally I'm I'm on board with that. I I love that version of Storm. Yeah, I have to and say. And her look was fucking fantastic.
1: Alexander Shipley might be my Storm not <laughs> right? definitely not Halle Berry. Yeah. So, um yeah, she's uh I, and I wonder what culturally influenced that that particular look for those characters, because um, it was a there was a cyberpunky edge to a lot of those characters. Um,
0: I'll definitely I'll pull out like I said I'll show you my very first X Men comic. I want to say it's like ninety ninety one like mm-hmm. Uncanny X Men two eighty two or some random yeah. ass issue. You know.
1: Yeah, um, and that. And then it was like all of a sudden, the L- fields um sort of overtook it in the early to mid '90s as a, and you saw um, with pouches everywhere, yeah, pouches and big guns and big muscles and um, skimpy outfits, and I mean that that was just what was happening then, and you know I think even across there was such an '80s look, and then late '90s through like mid 2000s, you saw the um, that sort of uh, Japanese animation yeah. influence come into a lot of it, which did not work for me as as well, actually. And I love anime and I love the style of art. Uh, I didn't necessarily love seeing it um, uh, cross into um, Marvel Comics and that look wasn't particular, particularly interesting to me in that way, that manga style. Uh, but yeah, there are these sort of like, zeitgeist you know um cultural zeitgeist that sort of influence um you know ripple throughout the industry and, and you see these characters get drawn in these um culturally or like time specific ways and the 80s was 80s was pretty badass
0: like Rogue, Rogue and um Storm had a kind of a punky yeah the punky looks for sure they
1: definitely had like these pretty and the costumes too peaks. were
0: totally yeah different
1: yeah um yeah, uh, they were skin type but not necessarily like they didn't have like these useless uh sort of like peekaboo windows <laughs> like everywhere <laughs> for the women. Um yeah, uh, and they were a lot of times hokey. Um I mean the 90s I think has to take the cake for hokey costumes for sure, but uh um the 80s definitely had, you know, it was those those looks you'd see weird like racing stripes and um kind of uh the colors were not something you know the the uh, i remember rogues green being very like greenpeace soup and like uh what was like wolverine was in that like kind of like uh that orange uh, yeah the orange uh, the, and brown the burnt orange sort of look um just uh colors. which
0: i honestly i still prefer that to the yellow and blue and black. I, I like the
1: yellow, blue, and black, um, actually. But, uh, you know, you, your text on you and the, brown, <laughs> the burnt orange uh, <laughs> will always be a part of. Yeah. Um, no, for sure. Um, but those are definitely, those were color palettes that uh, I think were uh, just more prevalent in the 80s, anyway.
0: Yeah. I wonder if it had to do with, you know, because it was still on, it wasn't on the glossy paper at that, that era too, too for sure i'm sure that played a role
1: oh and some of it yeah had to just be reinterpreted in the printing process um for sure
0: did you ever read wolverine's solo book
1: i didn't no i never read uh wolverine's solo, solo series
0: because that one it was actually for a while was a a bi-monthly book
1: oh, okay so is it are they still it's still a series right They're still writing i mean not with him i anymore. think well, yeah, yeah
0: with with laura yeah
1: yeah yeah so was there a break ever or has it just been I mean, oh i'm with, sure yeah
0: because i also i mean like i said earlier kind of wolverine was my that was what yeah that's what got me interested yeah in x-men and i just love the kind of i mean that just kind of loner um
1: which is funny because he's always had a partner right <laughs> <It's> <laughs> kind, kind of like, true right they um, are always like oh, the loner wolverine but it's like it's, then it's kitty then it's jubilee then it, like the guy hates for a loner he hates being alone <laughs> right
0: so, um, so yeah the uh that kind of that appeal to me kind of the you know what i mean a little bit darker of a character
1: yeah I, say what you will about him and i definitely think like magneto he's been overused in the films um but i i personally really like um really like logan um I really like uh, the way he entered the X Men. Um, that he just had such poor social skills was really struggling to to find his place on the team. It it spoke to why I think people read Marvel comics, which is uh, they do feel like a certain level of outsider. Yeah, and, exactly. And as an outsider amongst outsiders, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so true. I think um, I think he spoke to a lot of people. So
0: um plus he was kind of you know i'm kind of shorter right <laughs> as, as well i'm like five name. and i'm i'm like as tall as wolverine so yeah, that was yeah. always kind of cool sort about plus, it you know what for I mean? sure
1: <laughs> yeah i they, they love that uh they kept that with him and Hugh jackman's like a giant i <laughs> think but they uh sort of made uh kept that uh his height difference um it's central to his character he's got you know he's got that scrappy he's a scrappy little guy <laughs> Um, totally, I can totally see that,
0: but I really enjoyed some of so his his solo book was a little bit darker in terms yeah. of some of the villains that he faced, and some of them were just like random, kind of shitty, yeah, like, I mean, I still have this one episode where he's like he's on a cruise, and there's some kind of crazy ass sea beast demon or other weird like it's got ghosts and shit okay, there's some yeah. kind of weird weird deal there something that, but it's kind of more adult like he's he's drinking whiskey and he's like of course he's smoking his cigars right. and, and shit like that hitting on hitting on chicks yep yep i guess like i shouldn't say like chicks anymore well,
1: yeah i guess it's
0: <laughs> but in the context of right the early is, 90s was, but yeah the wolverine yeah. was definitely
1: <laughs> definitely making definitely saying chicks
0: for sure uh,
1: they, what saber Tooth them frails i think so yeah, that's he, yes, be better, right? Right? yeah he right so, yeah that's very true um, i forgot about that yeah um so they just you know they needed something to make logan seem like uh despite his uh his boozing and and uh womanizing that he had a heart of gold and saber tooth himself was the the actual misogynistic <laughs> piece of shit um Which is funny, like, uh, that any mutant would uh, consider women the weaker of the sex because they're constantly coming up against, like, these insanely powerful women. (laughs) Um, It seems like misogyny would be irrelevant. Yeah, right. Um, But apparently not. (laughs) But, yeah, um, I I haven't read the Wolverine Solo series, and I didn't always, like, I don't particularly care about his adventures in Japan. Like those villains, the Frank um, Miller stuff is that, is that okay? Yeah. yeah,
0: I'm not that interested in that era either, to sure. be honest.
1: Yeah, it didn't like you know draw me in it. Also, a lot of like stories of like white men going over to like Asia and becoming like the best ninjas and the best samurais. Better than it's oh, it's sort of a cliched
0: sort of thing to me. So, um, didn't there's a name for that, I actually talked about that in some of my college classes it was that movie with brandon lee and uh fucking Dolph lundgren or something or
1: oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: i forget Um, what it's called there's like like, even a specific name for that phenomenon in in american film and stories related to japan
1: white savior complex sort of thing or i don't know there might be something else Yeah, um, yeah it's
0: definitely something else
1: yeah but it's definitely a thing of like
0: just yeah, like it's certainly like, a trope.
1: Yeah, this like sort of blatant organism that uh, these like white dudes come in, and I mean Iron Fist is a character that's like his whole thing, right? <laughs> um, which can be told in a interesting way because I think um, just switching on to, to that um, they talk about Iron Fist uh, becoming the Iron Fist as uh that there is it's not that he's the best, it's not that he um. You know, beat out everyone else for this uh, for this mantle and for the, to be the avatar of the Iron Fist. There was some political um, uh, intrigue around it and uh, some strategy on the part of like Kamala uh, uh, Um or something like that. So uh, you know, there's interesting ways to tell that story. Or there's like, you know, remember the movie Avatar? Uh, <laughs> of course. It's like. I'm better at being navi than than you are being than you are at being navi like let me say it's ridiculous you know um, and it's a trope that I think is t- it's just time to put it to bed so.
0: what about let us step out of the x verse and let's talk about maybe some of your other favorite books or characters
1: um I consistently love um the work of Brian Vaughn. I think it's uh you know uh, me I, I constantly do try and, and um read characters that aren't uh you know, traditionally cis, white, male, heterosexual. Like I wanna I want what I'm reading, what I'm consuming and, and um any sort of media to sort of reflect the world around me and the world that I um am a part of. And here is Brian K. Vaughan, um constantly writing the other um in, in creative and interesting ways um, and uh, you know I'd love to pick his brain about his process because I don't think uh, everyone else could come in and maybe it's just that he's so firmly rooted in science fiction which I think is um, early saga in particular is rooted in science fiction in a way that um, science fiction looks at possibilities and not at realities um, so he doesn't have to they can have um, characters who, um, you know, look, uh, look different ways um, but aren't necessarily rooted in the same uh, struggles as, um, you know, their contemporary uh, human counterparts.
0: Even, what about, even why the last man? Because I think Vaughn did that as well. <laughs> he did. Um, Which I've not read yet, by the way, so don't spoil me. Oh, totally read it. It's it's great. It's um, on my list for sure. it's on the list. I've got a long list. I've got a huge list.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's a great series. Um, Saga I think has uh, topped it for me as as uh, my favorite book that he's worked on. But even that within that VC,
0: I think okay,
1: you see incredible diversity. You see um, uh, you know, wonderful character building. Uh, none he doesn't work with stock characters it's not something that um I, it's not something that i think people find interesting to read and it's not something i think he finds interesting to write and i'm constantly um impressed in ny has pl- plenty of just fantastic character development it's one of the um few books that i actually you know cried at the, the last panel so uh it's a great story totally worth
0: reading nice i've heard a lot of people bitch about the ending but I won't I won't oh, go too far into that. So like at least in the on Reddit. What about uh did you ever read his ex Machina at all?
1: I didn't I didn't read that. I remember That's one I've been
0: curious about, but I haven't heard a lot about.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard a lot about it. Uh Paper Girls is like sweeping the nation by storm. Um but he's you know, he's got also just a extensive uh, library. I um I don't know if you've read Runaways, um You know, he breathed some new life into Marvel books with that one. Um, And I'm just, you know, I'm sure reading Ex Machina that uh, I think I've read about it. It's not like necessarily a a story that I felt um, super compelled to read, but I know that I would probably enjoy (laughs) it. Right. So, you know, there's just talented writers, and and he's definitely one of them.
0: Anything else that really excites you? Um, I know you mentioned Preacher earlier. Preacher's when great. before we were before uh, we started recording
1: preachers just it's a fun ultra violent uh series um has uh you know the, just some of my favorite characters i love tulip i love um jesse uh cassidy's such a fuck up but he's <laughs> you know um it's hard to say you love him he's sort of a piece of shit but he's <laughs> so necessary to uh, that story. Um, and yeah, it'll, it'll always be one of my favorites. Um, there's definitely, you know, you can go back and look at things uh, and there's definitely probably some problematic portrayals throughout it. But um, as far as telling just a great story cover to cover, it's fantastic. Um, I'm reading sex criminals right now. Um, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. Um And it's funny and it's poignant and it's, uh um deconstructing our ideas around sexuality which i think um i think uh he does a lot he's writing jughead has uh, decided to make jughead uh, jones from the archie books uh, asexual he's constantly exploring human sexuality um uh and then i'm reading bitch planet uh kelly Sue um is writing a series bitch planet uh she's married to matt fraction um I think they live in like Portland or something. Now I'm just reading you the back of the book. It lives with her dog in Portland, whatever. But um, <laughs> um, uh, Bitch Planet is a series that takes um, the sort of, uh, what is that, like 70s um, exploitation sort of film, women in prison idea, and um, spends it to talk about uh, gender, race, culture, um Misogyny, uh feminism, it's it's funny, it's um wonderful, um the the artwork is fantastic, um the the story arcs are you know have just real emotional punch. It's it's cinematic, it's it's worth reading. I think um so the, you know, that's what I'm reading Bitch Planet, I'm reading Sex uh, Criminals, I'm reading saga and I feel like we're just in this like golden age of uh of just wonderful storytelling
0: what I love about comics the most is you know what I mean there's there's the ability for you to take risks and do things that you might not see in in a normal book or novel or what have you you know I mean there's so much room for imagination and different you know I mean different ways to take things It really gets my imagination going in directions that I never would have ever conceived of without being open to, you know, these different ideas and just really out there kind of shit, particularly with, like, you know, what Grant Morrison did with things like The Invisibles. Uh, But, you know, just thinking about... I was looking at a panel the other day of of Swamp Thing, and I think I might have actually sent this to you, but goddamn, it was was brilliant, man. Yeah, just... It was incredible,
1: no, but yeah.
0: And I won't, you know, I mean, it's, again, it's cliche as fuck, but to me, Alan Moore just does, uh, he, he plays the notes for me. You know what I mean? Like, that's sure. what I feel. He strikes that chord within me with a lot of, a majority of his, his writing. Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, he's, uh, there's stuff that he's, there's stuff that he's done that he's I mean, he's, he's done a, done a lot of problem little, yeah, some problematic
0: oh, shit sure. with, you know, there's like a rape in every yeah Alan Moore yeah. book.
1: Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, you stop using this as a storytelling device. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's not great. It's not actually serving your book, um, yeah. very well, but there are, you know, there's ways that he's, you know, the expanded the genre and, and, um, told fantastic stories. Um, so, you know, everyone, there's complications around all of that and there's, you know, I'm not going to excuse it. It's it's genuinely bad storytelling when you're going to rely on rape. Um, but in other ways, he's I, I thoroughly enjoyed Watchmen. Um, uh, yeah, he's great, you know. And uh, I think to to your point of uh, the way it expanded your imagination in in certain ways. I think um, the sci-fi animation, comic books, those are all ways to tell stories um, and expand. Create worlds that that we didn't even think were possible, and I love uh its ability to to um to, to continually look at possibility um, or and impossibility and tell stories with it.
0: I, w- I was going to go on, but honestly, I think that is just a, that's the best way to to close out this podcast. To be honest, I don't think we could top that that quote, man.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Ho- hopefully hopefully we can get you back soon. I know you're kind of deciding on what you're going to do, but
1: yeah, yeah let's um, give me a little notice and uh, <laughs> i right? well I'll work on some more ideas. Uh, but there's, there's definitely stuff to talk about. So I All appreciate right. it. You
0: definitely, you had a couple of standout quotes. I'm going to have to go back and pull them once I go back and edit this episode, but you had, uh, you had another one that I think was, was very poignant. So don't, uh, don't sell yourself short, man. Oh, thank you. But uh, we are going to sign off and we'll be back next week. Thanks guys.